What's up, guys? This is Fit Food Radio, episode number 52. Um, it's Matty Boy, Matty Boy Whitmore here, with the absolutely beautiful girl that goes by the name of Keris Marsden. Oh, thank you. Oh, is that you accepting a compliment? Uh, thank you for introducing me. <laughs> <laughs> for a change. Yeah, don't accept compliments. <laughs> but what, what is that with women and not accepting a compliment? I don't know. All I normally hear is... I'd get, emb- get embarrassed going, on. <laughs> just no. You, you go, no, no, I, I don't. You, I you're just saying that. It's just a really natural reaction. You're just saying that to make me feel better. I do try. I make. A, I have to make a conscious effort to say, oh, thank you. Well, well the best one is, you have to say that, is what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> Apparently, I, I have your, to say that. It's your job. <laughs> I couldn't possibly be saying it because I genuinely mean it. No. No. You it's not you. Yeah, no, it's not you. It is definitely like a, a woman's thing. I don't know. Especially if you're having a bad oh. hair day and then you go, your hair looks nice. It's not, no, it does not. <laughs> women, is this is this the truth? Is this women generally Definitely. don't like to accept a compliment? Definitely. Email us at info@food.com. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should put this out as a survey on social media. Do you accept compliments? But guys, episode fifty-two, the long overdue episode number fifty-two. We had a huge break between the last one. I can't even remember when it was. Yeah. I'm not even going to start spieling out all the excuses under the sun as to why we haven't been doing it. Just travel, isn't it? Really, we have been travel busy. We have been yeah. busy, but nonetheless. We should be more organised. I know. We should be more structured. But we've got some good guests lined up, haven't we? We've got some awesome we've got, guests. We've got some interviews coming up. So. And we do feel a bit more settled now because yeah. it was, like you said, a lot of travelling and we didn't really know where we were going to be or for how long, etc. We're settled. We can actually start implementing a bit of structure. So you will hear more from us because <laughs> we've never said that before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but guys, we've got an awesome episode, a uh, bit of a Q&A episode um we've got some fantastic questions that have come in um shall we get into those yeah get stuck in yeah yep. let's do it okay so there's a question here regarding juicing and i don't mean getting on the juice <laughs> or steroids as some people call them um talking about actual juicing and this is from neil neil says i'm hearing a lot about juicing and i've had read a few articles about how beneficial a green juice is for you first thing instead of breakfast I've always been a big believer in having a decent brekkie, eggs and bacon, etc. Good man. And I was keen to hear your thoughts about a juice replacing such an important meal. Love the podcast, by the way. Even if some of the information goes over my head, I always get a few chuckles listening to both of you together. Keep it up. Oh, oh thanks, buddy. Nice. Okay, so do you want to go first and then I'll give my two pence? Yep. I mean, I'm sure you're you're probably going to agree with me. Um, so not all juices are equal. <laughs> not all juices are the same. Um, juicing's really changed a little bit in that originally a lot of the juices that were available were ones where you were literally just going to get extracting the fruit juice or the vegetable juice um, out of the, the plant or the fruit or whatever yeah. it was. And you weren't getting much fibre. And obviously because it was uh, broken down, you lost the plant structure um, that would have made sure that it was just slowly digested and, absorbed, and the sugar went into the bloodstream nice and slow. Um, so original juices or like when you go into I don't know like uh, bars and you see them doing the freshly squeezed orange juice that is pure sugar really um, and what's happened now with things like Nutribullets um, and these really good high speed blenders is it's not so much a I wouldn't really call it a juicer, it's more of a smoothie where you can have, uh, you can put avocado, you can put nuts in there, uh, you can put any plant-based foods, spinach and stuff, but it keeps all of the the matter, the plant matter and the fibre in the juice. So Mm -hmm. nothing's extracted, you're not getting these big piles of peel and skin and everything taken out, you're getting all of the matter, but it is just blitzed. So actually, we're big fans of that, we tend to have... Um, most days of the week we'll have a protein smoothie, don't we? Yeah, but this is the difference, I think, because... 
there's a difference between juicing and having like a smoothie. Well, I was going to say that the next component I'd say is the next point I would make is obviously with your smoothie, because you've liquefied the food, it can be absorbed into the bloodstream really quickly and could elevate your insulin. So what's quite important is that you have um, fats, fibre and protein will slow that process down. So that could be a protein powder. It could be fibre in terms of obviously like the vegetables or the nuts or the seeds, um, flax seeds, things like that in there. Um, and then fats, you could add, obviously I've just said nuts of cardio, but nut butters, coconut milk, so that you slow down how that food is digested a little bit, mm-hmm. makes it more substantial, makes it more of a meal. Um, but some people still don't have um, necessarily the, the insulin health to deal with such an onset of, yeah. of nutrients really quickly. And like you said, I'm talking more vegetables than I am. So I tend to put mainly berries in mine, um, unless it's a post-workout uh, smoothie, I might add high sugar fruits like melon banana that sort of stuff higher sugar fruits sorry um but generally i'm sticking more towards vegetables and berries for the nutrients totally disagree with you by the way <laughs> no <I'm> joking <laughs> eggs and bacon all the way people would be like fight fight um well no i mean to be honest with you my view would be that if you can have a solid meal at breakfast time if you've got the time to do so personally that would be my go-to if you've got time for some eggs and some bacon or salmon and eggs or whatever it may be something more substantial go for it however i do feel and i'm sure you'll agree um that the smoothies and, and etc have their place when pushed for time you might not have food in whatever it may be but i think the key word is you know it needs to be substantial so rather than like kerry said just having a smoothie that's packed with essentially fructose sugars carbs you know you need to make it a bit more complete so get the proteins in there get the fats in there and you may even find that you know if there's enough of those in there that it it can be quite satiating it can take you right through to lunch a lot of people often say that our smoothies are quite filling yeah uh, on our plans etc and it takes them right through till lunch they haven't had like a a crash like some people can experience with quite a high sugar uh, juice so i would say don't have a juice have a smoothie (laughs) well the only other point I was going to make was for some people so I did a course in um, digestive health where they were saying that if you've got issues um, with kidney stones um, and and calcification of of joints and and arteries so you'll know about this so like gout for example yeah um, a big thing that you need to avoid is is things like fructose and and these are usually driven by some other vitamin mineral deficiencies um but one of the things that can make it worse is oxalates um in food which is in things like spinach and this guy was saying one of the worst things that happened for a lot of people was the green smoothie because we suddenly rather than you'd have a handful of spinach wouldn't you if you were eating spinach yeah whereas you can get a lot of spinach in a green smoothie and some people might do you know, there's this whole idea that um, more is better. Sometimes with superfoods like kale and spinach, and and some people are shoving so many oxalate-rich foods like spinach. Um, a lot of the greens have got oxalates in into their smoothie, that it's making um, things like kidney stones and, um, and and that sort of crystallization in, in, in the joints worse. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then, is that referring to? So oxalates are. Um, it's better to cook the greens to get to to die down to dampen down probably a better word at the effect of the oxalates so you're saying you'd get more benefit from a juice if you'd say steamed the vegetables first yes but no one's going to do that i think you're better just limiting um not doing mega amounts of greens in there so you know if you're going to have a handful of spinach with your breakfast you can put a handful in a smoothie but just not loads of it 
and then what you can do is also put greens that, do, that are lower in oxalates in like watercress for example or there's just different ones that you could add in there if you've got issues with things like um, kidney stones gallstones then just generally you'd probably want to limit these a little bit um, but you can add things like vitamin c um, and magnesium to your smoothie that help break down kidney stones gallbladder stones so in terms of but generally the citric acid can be quite helpful and um, apple cider vinegar would also offer the same thing so you could put a squeeze of lemon juice and lime juice in your smoothie each morning and just prevent that build-up of oxalates in the body the thing is as well though with regards to juicing i mean i think it depends on why the hell you're doing it as well i mean if you're doing it because you feel the you know it will help with fat loss goal which is why a lot of people tend to follow these juicing diets yeah for they think it's healthier, they think it's going to help them lose body fat. Detoxing. Um, or if it's you from a nutrient perspective, you just want to kind of uh, up your vegetable intake, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that kind of plays a role. Again, it, for me, it goes back to the, you know, if you've got the time to eat a meal, have veggie eat me- each meal, you know, get some salad in there, et cetera, et cetera, then that makes more sense to me. Yeah, I think I'm a fan of it on a basis of saving time. We put them in our online plans and they're really popular. Like We, we ask a lot in terms of food prep because we're, we're asking people to mainly prep their own food most of the time. So a smoothie fits that gap of convenience. But for some people, what they've mentioned is they drink it so quickly because it's another factor. You can take on a lot of calories very quickly and not have chance to get your satiation hormones to kick in. Mm-hmm. So people have the smoothie and then they're like, what next? What yeah. next? <laughs> Not full. But that, that's so the thing. I don't think it's great if you know that appetite and portion control is an area that you struggle with. Um, but I do think it's good if, if you're someone perhaps who doesn't eat breakfast and want to step in slowly and build up. So, for example, my mum, who hasn't eaten breakfast for about 30 years, the first thing I did was get her to have a smoothie. And she's incredibly fussy about this smoothie to the point where I don't even try and make it anymore. I'm just like, you, you do it. Because <laughs> she's, she's like, ooh, that's that. Um, so, yeah. But I think it's really good if you don't eat breakfast you can make a lighter smoothie with just protein powder and, and some berries and, and you're just getting something in your protein at breakfast to help you with your blood sugar levels and, and adrenal well, health. Something I quite like actually that just works when we just need to get up and out and if we're you know, maybe travelling and I can just drink the smoothie whilst we're driving, um, I just do, I might just do a scoop of protein powder um, or just plain pulsing which is just whey add some cacao, add some xylitol for a bit of sweetness, some frozen berries, and then either a bit of coconut milk or even or almond milk or just a bit of water. You you make yours actually really sweet, I think. When I taste yours, I think it's sweet, and then I taste my... You think mine are just yours are vile. <laughs> Whereas I prefer mine not to be sweet in the morning. I just like it to taste of grass or... <laughs> mm, <laughs> like, delicious. I don't but know. I tend to add like a, I might have like a bit of um, like almond butter as well, so I get my fancy, yeah, or sometimes a bit of avocado as well. Not too much because it can be a bit potent on the old taste, and you're just drinking liquefied avo, yeah. which isn't great. I would but, say in, over the summer, it's a good way of basically, obviously, increasing hydration, and you could add your coconut water in there, but, um, and a bit of lime and a pinch of salt even to just basically get your minerals in and get your body hydrated first thing when you're yeah. sweating more yeah, yeah. in the summer. I think it's, and and also, because appetites are a lot lower in the summer, when it's been hot, we found, haven't we, you're just not really hungry at all, but you've wanted a fruity drink. Yeah, yeah. I craved it, so I think... Sweet and cold. It's a great option for the summer. But yeah, but go for a proper breakfast if you can. (laughs) That's my view. Or you could do something that I do, I mean, because I'm training quite frequently and quite intensely at the moment, so what I'm doing in between meals 
is I'm having a, a scoop of amino acid as well as a scoop of greens. Uh, we're using one at the moment called uh, Just Greens. Vital. Uh, Just by, Greens. by Vital. And we're not sponsored by them. By we're not, we're not, there's no endorsement deal here whatsoever. They're just That's reasonably just priced. Reasonably priced, and it's packed with spirulina, kale, broccoli, barley grass, wheatgrass, chlorella. You know, it doesn't taste too bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you have it with some nice ice cold water, and the aminos I have are flavoured anyway, so they kind of drown out the grassness <laughs> of the smoothie. But it's, it's oh, a great way gross. for me to kind of keep my amino acid pool topped up as well as getting the. Uh, the nice greeny goodness in between my meals. So, you know, you could always give that a try. Have a proper meal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, uh, another question. Okay, so we've covered this before, but it's always good to reiterate things and hopefully there's a lot of people that will get a a ton of benefit from this. Okay, so this is a a question on depression and it just says, Hi, man, Carius, I'm not forgetting Hamish. I'm loving the post from Portugal. Uh, The fit of food recipes just get better. Thank you, buddy. Uh, just want to ask you a personal question. I'm on medication for severe depression. Would you consider posting up any food or supplement ideas that help sufferers like me? Like I said, we have po- uh, spoken about this in the past. But you know, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, let's go over it briefly well, again. I think I wanted to cover this question again because I think it's something everyone needs to revisit because there's just a bit of a there's a bit of a stigma really about talking about depression. How, yeah. many, how many times have you rung your best mate as a guy and said? A bit depressed. Well, never. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I've rung She's your best pal. I've rung him up. And said I'm depressed. Yeah, when I'm I was younger. Low. But not now. Not now, no. Because why? Because you're expected to just cope or... I don't know, really. I tell you. <laughs> I do your I'm fully aware of that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I just, I just think people don't, don't talk about it enough. And um, I think there's... You know, there's different scales of depression. There's people talk about not being able to get out of bed, um, chronic depression, and then, you know, uh, having medication for that. And then I think everyone gets a little bit of mild depression from time to time. I think a lot of it is stress-driven. And I think the way that our lifestyles have changed so much, we talk about this all the time, and it's it's affecting the way that, you know, it's affecting our hormones and our neurotransmitters so much that it's really difficult not to have days where you just go... For me, I think sometimes it just hits me, and I can't even put my finger on it. It happens usually on a Monday. Yeah, but do you not think that's normally the big thing when you just have days when you feel low, and someone says, what's wrong? And you go, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you do. And, and you, you genuinely do. think about it, you think, I don't even know what it is but I just, I just feel a bit low today. Well, I think sometimes it's... If you were to ask me, I think maybe it's because I don't have much to look forward to, which is Charm. generally a sign <laughs> when I do. is a sign of dopamine deficiency. So I think sometimes it can be a symptom or effect of if we overdo things that um, hit our dopamine receptors, so that could be anything from um, social media, adrenaline sports, coffee, you know, alcohol, chocolate, sugar. If you overdo those foods, then we downregulate our natural production and then... I think that's why Mondays are always so bad because we just hammer that over the weekend, don't we, yeah. really? Most people, as well as just not getting enough sleep. And then by Monday, you're just completely dopamine deficient and serotonin deficient and all those neurotransmitters that make you feel good. I genuinely feel there's so many lifestyle factors when it comes to depression, but I also think there's definitely genetic... You, you can just be predisposed genetically because a lot of clients I've worked with and friends that talk about depression say... They saw it in their parents and their parents' parents. And, and you know, I, I've said this before. My mum always said I hate Mondays and I just 
blooming hate Mondays and I can't not. I try and do everything to enjoy Mondays and I can't. And I'm, I've got my mum to blame for that. But um, just going back to where you would start with depression, um, somewhere that's, that's not really um, maybe such a logical place to start is the gut because they know that about, I think it's estimated to be 80 or 90% of serotonin in the body is produced in the gut. Wow. Um, and they don't know, what they're not quite sure of how does the serotonin in the brain interact with the serotonin in the gut. So what's that interplay doing? But you can just guarantee there's interplay there. Yeah. And the gut is now referred to as the second brain because there's so much going on with, with um, uh, neurotransmitters and hormones within the gut. So a big thing that I would do is, um, you know, we talk about gut health a lot and just protecting yourself long-term with things like fermented foods, pre and probiotics um, but the leaky gut where we get that increased it's called gut permeability so where we get little holes in the gut wall which can mean that substances can get into the body that can be chemicals foods um, and create an immune response which is essentially inflammation this can happen in the brain as well so once something's got into the body generally the same substances can cross over into the blood brain barrier or cross over the blood brain barrier because we'll get a leaky brain barrier as well. Mm-hmm. So the gut barrier and the brain barrier, which are designed to protect the body and protect the brain, of course, that's got to be shielded from any danger, will start to, those barriers start to permeate or get little holes in them, like a sieve, um, with certain things that we do and lifestyle habits. So you need to keep those barriers intact. Um, in terms of nutritional support, that's why there's such a big um, emphasis on things like glutamine and collagen nowadays yeah so they would help to keep those barriers in place but then equally you've got to stop doing things and eating things that would increase the permeability so a big one is gluten so some people i know gluten is being demonized all the time and then you've now got people writing about the fact that we're all obsessed with gluten and and there's not much science there to support it but there is science to support gluten in in terms of its effect on the permeability of the gut mm. so i would remove gluten from your diet if you suffer from depression um the other thing is any... again it, it kind of comes back to just on that particular point you made <laughs> you're just gonna argue with me all day no, no no i'm just gonna say that you know like don't get me wrong i think there will always be arguments for and against everything yeah yeah you know that that's just the way the world is <laughs> and yes you know like well, one argument I'll probably get is if you take bread out of my life I'll get depressed <laughs> yeah and life revolves around bread yeah. no, but what I was going to say was is that you know what there, there are some people that can get away with being gluten perfectly fine and they live a happy healthy life and you know they train frequently they don't have any problems good luck to them but certain scenarios like you said like depression um, you know then, then you need to look at things a little bit differently and I think it's important that you kind of just just you know to tackle things with an open mind in all cases. I always think in the healing phase, you just stick to it. And then when you're in a more of a, um, uh, what's it called? A, I can't think of that. I've lost the word. So when you're in a healing phase is when you would eliminate these foods that might have the potential to affect your health. Um, and then when you're in more of a, a sort of sustainable phase, yeah. you know, like a long-term phase, you could experiment with introducing them. But as I said, I think in terms of looking after the gut, gluten is just something that's never going to do you any favours. That would be, be something I would definitely eliminate. And then along with, um, as I've just mentioned, if you were trying to pick yourself up a little bit, you would avoid um, things like the processed sugars, refined foods, which are also going to have a damaging effect on the gut and possibly the immune system, so elevating the, the inflammation in the body. Because there's also this philosophy that, that, that really depression can be linked to inflammation in the brain. And that's all yeah. about, again, just, just basically taking out foods that are you know, sort of chemical-based and, and have that potential to damage our immune system. 
So I do sort of an immune calming phase within your nutrition and then alcohol and caffeine, I'm sorry to say, but they've got to go because again, the effect that they will have on blood sugar um, and dopamine and neurotransmitters. And a big thing about um, alcohol is it drops blood sugar levels. So often people feel quite low, um, usually the morning after. And I don't mean that in terms of a hangover, which you know people can actually just feel, even if they didn't get drunk, they can feel low the morning after having alcohol because of the effect it had on their blood sugar. Yeah. And then it, alcohol <clears throat> pretty much like uses a, quite a lot of B vitamins in its detoxification process. And B vitamins are really important for neurotransmitters like serotonin and do- dopamine. So if all of your B vitamins are being used up to get rid of alcohol and caffeine, so it's, it's working in a number of ways how it's affecting yeah. them, um, you're not going to have enough to make you feel good. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Interestingly, this is just a little story I've got to tell everyone. This is my little exciting discovery this week. (laughs) I normally can't drink more than about, I think, two glasses of wine and I'll get insomnia. And it's almost a given, isn't it? Yeah. And we've said this before. It's like, and I think that's pretty much related to alcohol dropping blood sugar. um, And then your cortisol has to kick in and and you've also got to free up glucose from the liver. So that might wake you up. Um, And so any more than two glasses of wine, I know I'm just going to have rubbish sleep. Um, It's good because it stops me drinking any more than two glasses of wine. But we were recently at a festival where um, after dinner, I had some wine with dinner. I decided to go and get um, a pick a mix just because I saw some coconut mushrooms which I just could not walk past. I love coconut mushrooms as a kid. And uh, I had this pick mix and for the first night ever um, in a long time after drinking, I slept like a baby. Well, to be fair, not even just after drinking because you've gone through this phase lately where you get up at least once in the night oh, yeah, to go, to, go to, the, to the toilet. For a wee. And I didn't have to do, go, do, do that. Why did either. you have to establish that it was for a wee? <laughs> I don't know. I just... <laughs> just I don't know. <laughs> Just it's more lazy like I don't know. Just you know, just need it. It wasn't for a big poo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How romantic. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it was an interesting experiment for me because it made me think that maybe the. Um, don't get me wrong; it probably did no favors for me in terms of my so you're balance and my hormone health. Not at all. Not at all. But perhaps I should eat more carbohydrates um, at, the, at the meals where you have a glass of wine. That was what I think. It's probably, again, still not going to help me in terms of it wouldn't do your waistline any good, but it just might help with the sleep thing. This is something we've spoken about, though, quite a lot, isn't it? Because I've always been nagging at you, saying I don't think you eat enough carbs. (laughs) You nag me telling me I eat too many. (laughs) I nag you telling you that you you don't eat enough. Yeah, pretty much. So maybe we should do a bit of an experiment in that you have more higher GI carbohydrates in the evening. Whether you've had a drink or not, Let's assume it's when you've not had a drink because it's quite rare. Yeah. Um, you know, we should experiment that. So you have more things like white potatoes, white rice, etc. I was reading about, um, we've totally gone off track. I will get back to depression in a second. But this is relevant because another thing that can cause depression is a very low carbohydrate diet because carbohydrates are really important for serotonin. Mm-hmm. And for a while I did think about the reason I'm a bit too low carb sometimes is if we are traveling or on the go a lot, I tend to favor um, grabbing protein and fats because it just keeps me satiated for longer. Yeah. So um, like the last couple of days, I've been um, out and about quite a bit, different clients and meetings and running around. And it's just been, I'll know I'll be sustained on that and then might have a banana or some fruit because it's, it's also a lot of the times that I eat, I'm out and about. So I can't sit down and get out a big paella or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not really that easy. Um, so I did wonder about just having a purely carb-based dinner 
which would be things like um you know a paella or a quinoa salad or a I don't even like quinoa I'd be forcing that down if I'm honest a big baked potato um do you see what I mean so, so yeah. doing it that way but yeah so in terms of linking it back to depression increasing your carbohydrates and especially at night would be helpful because at night would lower cortisol so that would lower stress hormones a little bit and also help with sleep so um, generally everyone knows if they have a big bowl of carbohydrates we can feel a bit sleepy afterwards which would be perfect if that was um, six seven o'clock at night um, just to set you up for the evening so that would be another thing um, I've talked about this before but obviously eating more fish uh, omega-3s are fantastic in terms of lowering inflammation and generally looking at a fish oil with a high um, high amounts of DHA has been shown in some studies to help in terms of treatment of depression and anxiety um, the DHA component and I think BioCare is a brand that offers their liquid has something like I think it's 750 milligrams of DHA in a teaspoon so that would be an easy way of uh, just check those out and you can I think it's Amiga Berry or something like that is the name of it that would be a, a good one to to have but obviously just try and increase the amount of fish that you have in your diet and limit the amount of Omega-6 um, lifestyle is obviously massive with depression and you know we've talked so much about that on here um, but I really think it's a difficult one because I think people need to exercise for the endorphins but one thing I would say is if you've got hormone and neurotransmitters um, all over the place like insulin's not balanced very well and maybe your dopamine so def- serotonin deficient um, doing things like the HIIT training um, you know I just be careful of that because they're just going to upregulate the production of things like cortisol and adrenaline um, and chances are you just might not have the adrenal health to really cope with that. So I would favour, obviously, the obvious stuff is, is walking and yoga, but even maybe weight training. So weight training, walking and yoga is a nice. Um, people often want the cardiovascular because they want the endorphins. Uh, but I would favour like a brisk walk, you know, a bit of hill walking even, but just maybe not too much of the, the jogging and things like that in case. Um, taking some vitamin C Probably. after your workout can help with... Even just getting outside, like uh, when I went on the walk with Hamish yesterday through the woods... Like the amount of trees I climbed. Yeah, yeah. And it was it's a different it, type it, of It was exercise. great fun because yeah. A, it's like you're using muscles that you wouldn't even really think of, you know, to climb and pull your body up. But equally, it's incredibly mindful because you're climbing a damn tree. Yeah. You know, you need to look yeah, where your yeah. footing's going, you're, the branch you're going to grab, you know, is it strong enough? And coming down, climbing down from a tree is so much harder than getting up, let me tell you. You know, it's just, it is a completely mindful activity, yet you do still feel like you're working, especially if you do it often enough and climb high enough. No, definitely. Um, but, you know, if you do climb a tree and fall out, it's your own responsibility. <laughs> you chose to climb that yeah. tree, just saying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what I was going to say was, I mean, exercise, is, this could be a podcast in itself, but generally depressed people are addicted to exercise because it becomes like the medicine for them, and I get that. But then exercise itself can become a drug. You know, we often say, don't we, like exercise can be a great release, but don't let what frees you become your ball and chain. chain. And I would say for a while, it was definitely that for me. It helped me at a time at university when I was really homesick and feeling overweight and running became the answer. But then I attached so much to running, it became, you know, became an addiction and obsession and it had to hit like had to have four runs a week minimum and blah 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 the way that I finally broke it I mean I was quite lucky in that I just got injury after injury after injury and I just fell out of love with it I just couldn't face another workout I took time off and did walking um after a long period of time just doing the walking and I I walked every day somewhere nice you know and I got up early to do it when people say to me I haven't got time to walk I always think it's 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 more easy to factor in than any other form of exercise 
you get up, you make time for it. So I got up earlier than I needed to, to be at a place. And I mapped out my walk and I had podcasts or music and I, and I walked there, same for walking home. But from there, I then built in just body weight circuits on the walk. Um, and I wouldn't even actually set what they were going to be. It was just like you're with your clay, uh, tree climbing, it was spontaneous because I think when we're depressed and we're low, the last thing we need is just more pressure to mm. do things and more because that drives you back to more caffeine and more chocolate and more sugar to fuel it because you're saying, yeah, yeah. I need to get to the gym. Well, I need caffeine to get to the gym. Whereas if your day was a bit freer and there was no pressure and you were setting out for a walk, you don't need a, a, a caffeine boost for that. You don't need anything because there's not going to be any pressure to but do anything. Do you not think, though, that sometimes... If ever I'm feeling a bit stressed, not necessarily depressed, but stressed, a bit overwhelmed, and I suppose a bit low in myself, which normally happens if, you know, we're kind of working a lot, not getting enough sleep, feeling like we're working our asses off, but not getting, you know, the, the, the rewards or it's not quite going how we want it to. In a way, sometimes the last thing I want to do is go for a walk because it causes me to... If anything, yeah, it just means I've, I've just got more time to think about the things that are winding me up. Whereas sometimes if I go to the gym, thinking about it, I'm thinking about the workout, I'm yeah. thinking about the training. Yeah, maybe, definitely, that, but, that could work you better. Know, I'm not trying to be argumentative. <laughs> um, I'm just saying it because, but that, because you know when I've always said to you, if I'm going to walk, I need a purpose to walk. Yes. Yeah. I can't just go, oh, I'm going for a walk to free my mind. Yeah. You know, if I'm walking Hamish, you know, it's great because, you know, I have to keep my eye on him and we have a bit of fun and whatnot, but or I have to be walking somewhere. Yeah. I can't just go for a walk for the sake of going for a walk. No, I think, do you know what? I think everyone's just got their different types of medicine. Yeah. But what I would say is just assess whether the behaviour that you're saying makes you feel good, you know, that form of exercise, is it still driving the bad habits? It's like I know a lot of people that try and out-train a bad diet or out-train binge nights and things. And, yeah. and are you using that behaviour almost to alleviate depression when you need to stop the drivers, do you see what I mean? So well, you need I to think... stop the, the 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 lifestyle habits, the the poor nutrition, the it could be anything to but... be. Uh, what I mean, sorry, I keep cutting you off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another starting point for me is uh, I've spoken about this before, but um, having some counselling or um, psychotherapy to look at um, the way that we think and the way that we think about ourselves. It's often a lot of it comes from things that we learn in childhood, like these learned behaviours and. Um, we've discussed it before, you could be stuck in this trap of just, you know, never um, always looking at the worst worst in yourself and, and yeah. not believing in yourself, not having faith, lacking confidence. Um, from there, you could be just, you know, again, just doing too much, eating too much sugar and, and doing things that make you feel even more guilty. But at the same time, they are changing your neurotransmitter balance to make you less confident, more anxious. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of unable to focus and, and, and commit. So it's this really vicious cycle. Um, and I think it, it you need a sort of an approach that comes from all the different directions, which is you sort out the nutrition, you um, get some counselling, get some help, support. Um, you know, if you don't feel like doing it professionally, it has to be probably through but friends. Do you not think that's one of the keys? Like for me, and one of the big things I picked up from the Ruby Wax um, thing that we went to was that when you're depressed or you know you, you've been diagnosed with depression whatever it may be you feel as though you feel as though you haven't got anyone to go to you haven't got someone that's going to understand you or that you can share your thoughts and feelings with and, and I think that's you know like the, the worst thing you could do is keep it to yourself and I think even just knowing you can go to someone and talk about it you know is huge 
yeah. it's a great release, you know, and often, you know, just having something on your mind, if you could just share it with someone, you know, and sometimes it is good to get it from a third party like a counsellor because there's no bias there. There's no, you know, there's no connection with them. They can give a complete separate point of view yeah, on the situation absolutely. and you'll gain a whole different clarity hearing hearing it from a different perspective and how they would look at it and you kind of think oh I never really thought about it like that yeah yeah well also I think what, what some councillors are doing what I'm assuming all are doing is, is looking out for you because one of the links I see or some, just something that I associate with people that get depressed very easily is they're forever running around after other people and pleasing other people all the time that leaves very little left for them to invest in themselves so that can be in the basis of they're so busy sorting out everyone else and looking after everyone else they don't sort they don't do their own nutrition that well they don't make time to exercise they don't make time to relax they go to bed wired they wake up wired their sleep is crap and disease so because everyone else comes first but then equally they feel often there'll be times when you feel deep not you know not valued so it only takes a tiny comment or anything like that and you think not only am I doing all this for other people, but no one even is valuing how much of my time I give up and, and how much, you know, how much I care. So that is a, is a cycle that I see um, quite frequently as well. But looking at it from a, you know, you mentioned lifestyle and, and something that is quite a big part of most people's day now and lifestyle is social media. Yeah. And, and I think what's important, and this is a lesson that, you know, like we, we learned, you know, we went through this as well is that if you're feeling a bit low, pressed, you know, and you then go on social media where people are basically screaming and shouting about how amazing their life is, it can all, almost make you feel even lower and yeah. make you think, oh, oh great, yeah, you know, here's me feeling like crap and really depressed and low and whilst everyone else is living the high life, super happy, you know, just feeling awesome. First of all, you know, don't worry about other people. Second of all, they're probably massively exaggerated and what they portray on social media isn't necessarily true. And it's a really kind of negative place to be where you're, you're focused on how well other people are doing. And I say this because we kind of went through a phase, didn't we, where we felt like we were giving 110% to our business. The business wasn't quite going uh, where we wanted it to go. Meanwhile, we're looking at other people in our industry that to us were doing fantastically well, you know, happy, living life the way they want to live. But actually, you know, that's not necessarily the case. And you might hear things from other people or, you know, you might then meet that person and realise it's not the case. So, you know, what people do portray online is not necessarily the truth. What I would say, actually, is um, one thing I did was I unfollowed some people that I they just didn't make me feel that great. You know, I, like I said to you this before, I've got some friends who just do nothing but pout and do selfies, and and yeah. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, and <laughs> I like them as people, but but their the social media portrayal, I'm like, what are you doing? And and yeah, and then I've got friends who put up these beautiful memories and uh, or you know what they did at the weekend, and it's and it, they capture it in all the photos, and I, and I love that. So I started to just edit my newsfeed <laughs> for people that I wanted to see, like I was hanging out with them. Paul says on a Paul Watson who speaks at our academy says health is about who you hang with and that's the same for social media in the sense of I came out of some groups that were um, some really vicious online groups that are supposed to be talking about paleo nutrition and, and it was just backbiting and you've got that wrong and I just I can't read this it's awful I just came out of it I don't want that mm. newsfeed anymore you know I want to be in groups where it's supportive and collaborative and 
inspirational. Know, yeah, basically. So you can you can edit or you know just not go on there. You know if if, if that's another case, it's just just like we were saying about just having a cut off point of six o'clock because what you can't read won't hurt you essentially yeah. and affect. I mean sleep. that that was just a thought. I mean I know that's not necessarily always the case, but. I definitely think that who and what is surrounding you plays a huge role. And nowadays, social media is such a big chunk of people's day and time that, you know, it can have an effect. It can have an effect, yeah. But the, the last thing I would say is, um, again, we do have a, a blog on our website called uh, Depression, Nutrition and Natural Measures. Um, but again, genetically, um, you can have a very poor ability to do something called methylate, which is um, a process in the body where we basically... Um, it's just a chemical process that takes place that turns homocysteine or helps to convert homocysteine, which is inflammatory, uh, back into methionine, which is amino acid. You don't really need to know all that, but just know that um, some key nutrients needed for that process are things like B6, B12 and folate. And some people are, um, don't get enough of those nutrients through diet, especially usually vegans and maybe vegetarians. Um, and some people have a, due to genetic uh, SNPs or polymorphisms as they're called an upregulated need for those nutrients and they don't methylate very well another thing could be that you, if you're prone to depression um, you have a genetic SNP and then you don't eat enough of those B vitamins or perhaps you have an infection or you train hard or you stress a lot so you just keep robbing your body of B vitamins um, you will make yourself more predisposed to depression so it can there are ways as a nutritionist when I work with people that I can see oh, I can see how you ended up in this position because of what you did with your lifestyle here, here, and yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, you can have it tested. And the only thing I'm just going to mention about the testing, because this is another level, but there's a test now called Detoxygenomics that Genova Diagnostics run, which looks at um, some of the things that it covers is your ability to detoxify nutrients. And on there, antidepressants are covered. Wow. And for some people, certain medications can help regulate other metabolic changes in the body like how we convert estrogen into protective and carcinogenic forms so if you're if you're considering or are taking medications like antidepressants long term it's probably worth investigating a detoxygenomics test because it might be that certain antidepressants are having a very negative negative effect on you biochemically and others and and it'll tell you which ones you could switch to Guys, you know, for anyone that's listening, if you kind of, you know, you you feel you are suffering or you know someone who's suffering from depression and getting like this test done and, and, you know, looking into this a little bit further, you know, by all means, you know, get in touch, info at fitterfood.com. You know, even if you want someone to just uh, help you interpret the results, you know, we we can help you there. Um, Because let's face it, depression is more common than people think. And, you know, I just want anyone that is listening to know that we're here to help and we care and you know you've got someone to talk to in that sense you know i don't i don't know if that sounds really cheesy but yeah, you know i just really. i just want to put that out there so next question well to be honest with you this this is a this is off the back of quite a few questions that we've had and it's something that we have discussed before and that's uh, cancer um as you know you know like you know we've both Keris and myself have you know been affected by you know cancer as in you know in terms of pe- losing people that are incredibly close to us to to the disease and and i think any everybody knows someone who has suffered or, or knows someone that's related to someone who's suffered lost the battle or maybe won the battle i don't know but cancer at the moment it's 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 on the up you know it's it's not good news it's now one in two now one in two 50 percent wow. chance of getting it so we have tons of questions about cancer however the questions normally come in the form of my uncle 
has just been diagnosed with this type of cancer. My sister-in-law has been diagnosed with this type of cancer. And the questions are normally always based on how to help cure, you know, what they can do to win the battle. And it comes back to what we always say, yes, there is stuff you can do to increase your chances. It depends on so many factors. However, our message that we're trying to get across that we feel isn't coming across through all these charities that are raising tons and tons, millions of pounds, is that what about preventing cancer? Why are we so focused on curing something when there is so much we can do through nutrition, lifestyle factors, etc., to prevent it happening? Now, preventative measures don't necessarily guarantee you're not going to get it. I'm not saying that. But if I can do stuff that I know is going to reduce my chances of getting cancer or even any any type of disease, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm going to do it. And we've always said that just living a healthy life generally is an anti-cancer lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. Good food most of the time, getting plenty of sleep, exercising, moving, being happy, spending time with people that make you feel good. This is living an anti-cancer life. But the message that I kind of want to get across is prevention over cure. This weekend just gone, there was a, a few race for lives going on. What I've kind of, I observed, you know, what was going on and essentially race for life is, you know, to raise money for cancer uh, or should I say uh, finding a cure for cancer for research, etc., etc. And it gets hundreds, thousands of people together to, to run and, and everyone's got their own reasons for running. You know, it may be because they they know someone who's suffering from cancer, they lost someone to cancer or they're doing it just to kind of help raise awareness and raise money. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But for me, there's still the huge piece of the puzzle missing because a lot of the people that were running this race, in in my opinion, weren't in running condition, i.e., you know, I felt that, you know, I saw so many people hobbling away purely because they probably didn't train enough for it. They just done it because it was... Saw two ambulances to Yeah, and, and I just thought, God, like, people have really put themselves through it for this race, you know, and, and, and fair play to them. But, you know, like the last thing I want to see is people getting injured and hurt. Um, but what was quite ironic was that the amount of people we saw then leaving the race with a, a Greg sausage roll in one hand <laughs> and, a, and, a, and, a, and a fag in the other. <laughs> Um, so for me it was like well you know when if you're gonna run if you're gonna move but do it for yourself as well you know don't just do it because you're you're trying to raise a bit of money do it for yourself do it because you want to be fit and healthy and prevent such things as cancer and um (laughs) that's been the classic moment when somebody stood with a t-shirt which said find a cure on the back and they were and they were eating a greg's pasty i think on the back of i think people had like a sticker or something on the back of their shirt and, and it says why running this race because and a lot of them were, you know, and like in memory of so-and-so, etc. you know, really lovely messages. And one of them just stood out because that the person had a fag in one hand and a sausage roll in the other. <laughs> and, you know, dare I say it was a good three, maybe four stone overweight, was saying they were looking for a cure. You know, I just thought, don't get me wrong, absolute hats off, big up anybody that got out there that day and ran that race. However, my message is, and forgive me if I'm coming across a bit political here, is that we need to focus more on the prevention, not the cure, because we're raising millions across the world for charities, you know, trying to raise money for, for cancer research, et cetera, et cetera. Yet the, the numbers are going up. Cancer rates are going up. So my question is, is what the hell's going on? Yeah. Why is it going up? Yet we're raising millions and millions and millions and millions in order to find a cure for this. Let's start a campaign. 
That's what I want to do. A prevention campaign. That's my goal. But the thing, just to to add a level of complexity here, but the detox genomics test you did, the detox genomics test that you run tells you which toxins you can't detoxify, which will almost, I don't even know, I don't think they offer a percentage because it'd be too risky to do it, but your chance of getting cancer is just massively increased. And you know what comes up on nearly all of them? Like genetically, most of us have um, cannot detoxify the chemicals found in cigarettes, which we all bloody know because... Yeah, well, like, <laughs> no-brainer. But it's it's weird because, you know, you talk about someone who smokes till they're 80 and, and is fine and then yeah. someone who doesn't and gets lung cancer in their 20s. Genetically, some people really shouldn't be... I mean, no-one should be really smoking, but genetically, some of us are just literally, you know, puffing your life away. For me, the whole shame of all of this is that people are losing people they love... And there's, like you said, there's so much you can do preventatively, um, but it seems that it's going to take these tests or actual cancer itself to change people. But, and but, that's the sad thing. But that, that is the sad thing. And I think that it's like, you just said it then, like when, when someone loses their battle with cancer, it doesn't, ju- you haven't just lost one person. The effect it has on that person's partner, that person's parent or child, yeah, mother, so you, know, you know, like... Is it affects so many people, and I just think if we can start getting the message out there that don't wait because it may well be too bloody late, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I just think that like, like we we could do something about this. You know, everyone could do something about this, but the numbers are going up alarmingly. Yet most people will be sat there thinking, "Well, it's not going to happen to me." Well, the numbers are going up, yeah. so the odds are now against you. They're no longer in your favour. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that that's, that's the message I want to get out. And, and also, the, like I say, the questions are always, you know, so-and-so's been diagnosed, what can I do? It should be, you know, what can I do to ensure I'm happy and healthy for the rest of my life? Yeah. That, that, that's, that, that should be the question. But, you know, I, you know, it's like we're all kind of like uh, guilty of this. Like we tend to wait until things are too late before we do something about it. Yeah. But some things you just don't want to mess with. This and cancer is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I've, I've seen far too many people lose the battle and far too many lives affected, including ours, to to not want to do something about it. Yeah. So, guys, look out. I'm going to start a prevention campaign. Why oh, wait? Right. Act now. I'm going to get on it. it. Who do I contact? <laughs> what Who do I, I do? contact <laughs> to make this happen? What now? <laughs> um, yeah, so guys, apologies there for getting a bit political, going off on one. And, and like I said, you know, I mean, no way having a dig at the people uh, that, that took part in the race for life. You know, that was just an exa- a personal example because that's what I saw on that particular day. I'm all for people getting out there, joining together and, and trying to achieve something good and moving and exercising and, and whatnot. So please, you know, please don't take it the wrong way. I think like the, the, the last point I make is what's really sad for me is you know when I like you saw everyone leave the race straight to the pub straight to light up cigarettes whatever I just thought well I think most of them know that this isn't doing them any favours I feel like the only time people act with these sorts of behavioural habits is based around fat loss no one ever no one's making that association with disease and maybe heart disease but not with cancer I don't think people are there yet thinking actually these foods this sugar this refined product well, i think a lot of people just chemical drink yeah, is, is, that, that, is actually that's a good shot, actually they because because they wouldn't dare walk in a pub in a cancer you know in the what, what's the race for life t-shirt and light up a cigarette and drink i don't know maybe no but i think like maybe. no it's like you said it's like because how many people like have we heard that say to us look uh, if you're going to get cancer you're going to get cancer 
it's just the way it is. There's, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. And it's like, uh, yeah, there is. Massively. But well, the one, one thing about the, the gene testing that's going on, so this is 23andMe or the detox genomics, is there's massive debate as to whether people should know this information. Hmm. But like I'm saying to you, some people need that to be for, for the compliance of it. Yeah, some people yeah. need that kick up the bum. And some people, it's, it's very, it's very, it's genetic, so it's you. Um, I just think you just need to work with a, a, a professional practitioner on it. Don't do it yourself, because it could be quite scary to get that information and go, oh my God, what do I do with this? What the papers are starting to pump out now, which is getting equally frustration, what the media is talking about is that some of us genetically are um, going to be at higher risk of cancer. To me, you can just look, look back through your family line, and it goes all the way through my family line. Would you, so, but that's something that you kind of need to, because like you say, that could go either way, couldn't it? Well, yeah, it could. But then my mum getting diagnosed with breast cancer made me research everything I could, and, yeah. and I do everything that I can do. Yeah, there's a chance I will, you know, I'm, I'm probably genetically more likely to get it than than other women. Um, but then it means that when it comes to me looking at I don't know, menopause. <laughs> well, I'm not there yet, but I'd reconsider hormone <laughs> replacement therapy. Enough. But the genetic tests tell you whether you, that, that will be completely right. written off for you because you actually can't metabolise oestrogen very effectively. Okay. So the last thing your body needs is way more oestrogen, and that's why women get taken off HRT when they get a hormone-related cancer or they, they test the cancer and see if it's hormone-related. God, the last thing I actually probably needed was to be on the pill for 10 years, but I was. There's nothing I can do about that yeah. now, but I do a lot of stuff to try and protect myself. Um, but like you said, it's not a foregone conclusion, but you, you can be more proactive. So I think if cancer exists in, in, the, in the generations above you, which for most people it does, mm-hmm. actually, at the, you know, or in siblings, then your need to act is probably greater. Um, you may have that, that gene, um, those gene polymorphisms or SNPs, as they're called, yeah. that, that put you at more risk. But what's annoying me is the media saying, <laughs> you know, you've got the genes you're damned sort of thing I think yeah. that message is worse and yeah. what you do in lifestyle is is not actually going to make a difference well it, it does because one of the things that these gene tests will tell you is if you took on extra cruciferous vegetables like broccoli kale and things you could protect your you could um, support your estrogen metabolism much more effectively so they're empowering I see them as empowering you don't so much I know like I've got your test ready to go and you know that I'm going to ban you because I know that barbecue food is going to come on yours and you can't basically yeah, detoxify I, I think it's important that like, some of the chemicals I think it depends on the individual in that if if you're a thinker like myself who <laughs> you know like I wouldn't describe you as a thinker no but I, I overanalyze things yeah. I, and, and, and almost like I you know I'm a huge believer in ignorance is bliss yeah and i think that's not that's not a that's not a thinker ignorance is bliss (laughs) well it is because then if i know something i overthink about it okay then all right you're with me we're on the same page yes that doesn't make sense sorry (laughs) what i'm saying is is that like i think that i live a pretty healthy life i train i eat good food most of the time i rarely drink i've never done drugs in my life you know like i don't want to start then overanalyzing having a barbecue or a bit of wine or a couple of coffees, you know what I mean? Do you know what? You wouldn't. It's just that... that I, I, no, I get where you're coming from, but the test, I think, the last few people that I've run it on, I've been, I've, it's empowered me because I've been able to say they've had health issues and they're like you. Yeah, yeah. They are eating well, they're exercising, they're taking their supplements that we've worked on the gut and there's still some lingering health issues. So I'm like, can we just have a look, like, genetically whether there's something? Um, and, and it can be... So estrogen metabolism um, is 
there is an estrogenomics mm. test you can have done as well, and I think that that um, is probably more useful because then you'd know about your need to limit xenoestrogens and whether you would need to be um, way more organic to yeah. avoid pesticides and fertilisers, which yeah. are estrogenic. But then again, like, doesn't this... Don't get me wrong, I know this is a whole You're different You're going to say it stresses game. you out. No, no, well, in a way, yes. But what I was going to say was, is that... Remember when we spoke about testing before, and of course, this is a different ballgame. We're talking about cancer here. If you are in a position where you're probably listening to this guy, do you know what? Actually, I could make some more positive change. Yeah. I'd much rather someone does that and invests in that than a test. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I'd rather someone invested in, say, a water filter, a decent water filter, yeah. than, the, than the test. Definitely. No, I, I totally agree with that. And to be honest, everything we talk about, when I get, read the test results, it's generally, oh, you, you're not, you, know, you have compromised estrogen metabolism, you need to take some DIM, you need to eat some cruciferous vegetables, and you need to get BPAs out of yeah. your general lifestyle and skincare and, yeah, yeah. and food. Uh, by food, I mean, sorry, like, you know, try not to carry everything around in Tupperwares and stuff like that. So um, I know what you mean. There are, there are some functional medicine practitioners that I listen to and I come away like, a bag of nerves yeah. just going jesus christ <gasps> i am i am i'm a walking i'm walking cancer because i you know because i know we've done dna diet which looks at some of the polymorphisms for yeah, caffeine yeah. alcohol and burnt foods <clears throat> if you, you ask someone for example who smokes mm-hmm. i'd get that test done because the last three i've run of that said if they smoke they'd be they'll be it's almost 100 percent they'll get cancer so that sort of that information is scary on paper i think yeah, it's scary yeah I, I would but say the other stuff like... lifestyle wise if you if you're implementing it then Maybe you don't. I'm a, I'm a, I'm just geeky and interested as well. Yeah. So I'm what me and you to have them done. You just want us to have every test done. I know. Just so we've done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but guys, you know, don't you know? Like, we're not we're not trying to be kind of thing of the word I'm looking for here. You know, there 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 is no such thing really as any special measures you need to go to to avoid cancer because I think it applies to so many things. If you just live happy healthy life like I say good food most of the time yeah. plenty of sleep no, rest laughter do all the right things you know you're not just preventing cancer you're preventing a lot of uh, nasty diseases and conditions so you know like don't don't go thinking you need to go running out there and reading loads of books and whatnot because there's so much you can do like now literally you can just change it tomorrow but guys on a more positive note um after my little <laughs> cancer outburst yeah. I reckon we'll wrap up there yeah definitely uh, but I just want to say we have our brand new website up and running fitterfood.com um, it's been quite a while in the making but it's done it looks amazing I love it I keep going on there checking it out just just because it's, I'm so happy with it uh, but most importantly you know as well as looking awesome it's so much easier to navigate now guys you know you can really like you can search recipes you know keyword search blogs are easier to find the categories are much easier to navigate so be sure to check out the new website guys and we'd love some feedback for sure anything you feel that we could do to maybe improve things a little bit more um you know we're happy to take that on board because we're certainly not experts in that area Mm -hmm. um also guys we're trying to build up the love on instagram trying to up our instagram game so check out fitter food on instagram as well get us out there uh spread the fitter food love uh, anything you want to add, Keris? No, I think that's it. You've done it all. Yeah. Just keep right. an eye on our Facebook page for any more updates about stuff we're doing. We've got well, some new, some really exciting new projects launching at the end of summer. Um, again, where we just sort of, all the information that we give you on here, we know how easy it is to get overwhelmed. Yeah. So we're going to start putting together um, some online programs where there'll be things like cheat sheets and webinars and uh, the information broken down much more easily. Uh, recipes meal plans again tailored to you high carb low carb 
Um, so if you are feeling a bit like, whew, I really want to do all of this stuff, but where do I start? Then just keep an eye on the Fit Food page and we'll be uh, launching all the different products on there and there'll be different levels depending on how involved you want to get with us, really. Essentially, the goal is to make health and fat loss as easy and enjoyable as possible for you guys. So we take the science, simplify it, share it with you guys. And Happy then, days. And then have chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, uh, thank you so much for, this, uh, for listening. Please leave a review, um, subscribe, share you know it goes a hell of a long way we really appreciate it hope you've enjoyed the episode and we will see you in episode number 53 thanks for listening bye bye